You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahraven.com. Welcome to Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange with me, Sarah Raven, and a series of wonderful gardening and food and garden design-based guests. Today, I'm actually rejoined by somebody who we talked to, or I talked to, early, just in the beginning of the year, in January, and that is Butter Wakefield. Now, Butter is a garden designer who concentrates very much on smaller sort of urban gardens, And last time I talked to her about her design tips for small gardens. But the reason we've become friends is that we both absolutely adore colour and saturated colour and particularly acid green. But also she loves cut flowers, as I do. And so having enjoyed having her so much giving her design tips for small gardens, I thought I would really love to have her back at this time of year, which is the sowing and planting time, to talk about what you can get for picking from a very small garden. So this is really an episode on small cutting patches, cutting gardens that suit a more city urban environment. So welcome, Bus, a rather a long-winded introduction, but lovely to have you back. Oh, it's a thrill to be here. So our sort of classic list of 12, it's quite a lot to cover in our sort of 30, 35 minutes, but I'd love you to kick off with right now in spring, what are your favourites? Well, like you, I'm mad on um, cramming as many bulbs into parts as I possibly can because I think uh, picking your own dafts is just almost the nicest thing in the whole wide world. Yeah. And, you know, so for for small smaller pots, I think, you know, Ones like Snow Baby and Jetfire are, you know, they're little diminutive numbers. Yeah. Uh, Snow Baby is enchanting, very fine foliage too, which is rather nice and appealing and a sweet little white flower. Jetfire, a little bit bigger, but so early. In fact, I've got some on my desk behind me now. Yeah. They're reflex, yellow reflex with wonderful orange centers. I'm very keen on the orange middles. So if it's got an orange middle, it, it's welcome in my little patch. And Beautiful Eyes, another great one. Yeah. Avalanche, Pink Charm, Geranium, so gorgeous and scented. Yeah. I'm kind of conscious of the fact that we've got a lot to get in. So I'm just kind of quick fire, you know, naming some names for you. But I, I love those. And then, you know, so in they go and um, together with tulips. And I think um, a great little combo, which I've got going on in my garden this year, is Menton Exotic. Mm. Uh, with Queen of the Night and Disneyland mm. Paris and Apricot Parrot and Charade. So it's going to be sort of a purpley, pale, peachy, orangey affair. Mm. <laughs> so hoping that's going to be a success. And then around the outside of the plants, I put lots of little bulbs, so which are great to, you know, add to little flower arrangements, aren't they? So the, you know, the Mascari yeah. and the Scillas, Siberica, I love those. Yes. So that's kind of pots or, you know, bulb, bulb lasagnas, as you call them. And so you would pick the little things for putting like in little milk bottles down the middle of the table or along the fireplace or? Exactly. My yeah. kitchen shelf is a happy recipient of a lot of little things. So, yeah. 
Fantastic. Okay, great. So, so number one, definitely uh, picking bulbs. And if you cram enough into a bulb lasagna, you don't have to feel you're stealing the pot view, you know, the garden view sort of thing. You know, there's enough in there that you can also pick the odd flower to bring inside and decorate the house as well. And I completely agree. That's how lasagnas, I think, are, I, I always have a rule to myself that it, I can pick one in three and the pot will still look good, but I've got flowers for inside too. Mm. Good rule. That's a good rule. One in three. So what next, Butter? Well, so little patches, are, you know, little gardens in London, they're hard to, you know, cram full of things. But I, you know, my favorite thing, of course, in a jug is an Acamillomollis, you know, mm. that frothy little bright green, as you were saying, our, one of our favorite colors. And okay, it maybe is three or four hundred by three or four hundred. So, you know, it's not tiny, but the joy it brings in any arrangement and on its own, you know, is it's kind of rather foolproof for me. So I can't really design a space without it, really. No. And and so what sort of aspect would that be, sun or dappled shade? Or Well, I think a dappled shade, I think, it, and it'll perform in sun too. It gets a little bit wilted if it's Really, it's hot, really hot, sunny, and bakey. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, along the fringes. So, so you, it, it does, you know, cope mm. with a sort of sun, but it needs a little bit of respite in the afternoon if it's baking hot. So, yeah. um, and keep it well watered, and it generally will kind of, you know, it, it, it won't go too limp. It, it struggled last summer though, but who didn't struggle last summer, really? And have you tried that cutting back thing to get a second flush of flowers? Oh yes. Marvelous, absolutely marvelous, and then it doesn't seed itself. See, I quite like it when it seeds itself about, but but that does prevent it from seeding itself about if yeah. you kind of keep on top of the, the the flowers going over. And I find if I sear it, the stems in boiling water, I can get sometimes ten days, even two weeks out of our Camilla Mollison of us. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's one of the things that I hope I hope you're going to talk about because I think searing is the thing, isn't it? That, you know, it's all very well, you know, cutting flowers to bring inside, but a lot of them hate it, don't they? Absolutely hate it. And they're diva-ish and they flop all, almost immediately. So maybe we, if there's time at the end, we can chat yeah. about how to do that. Maybe. Good idea. Good idea. And so your next one, I'm also crazy about because they're container compatible, but they're really good for small spaces. And yet there are mm. a family of plants that have a reputation of being slightly thug-like. So I was so pleased to see these on your list when you sent it through. Yeah, so I think that's the Budlia Buzz series. So there's Buzz Hot Raspberry, there's Buzz Midnight, there's Buzz Blue Sky. So these are just the compact Budlias that um, are terrific for pots. And of course, it's all about getting nectar-rich things into the garden in any space. And if you've got a you know, nice compact buddleia, then there's kind of almost no excuse. And, and the butterflies really and the moths really do love it more than mm. I think almost anything. Do you? Kind yeah, of definitely, anything. definitely. And the good thing about these new breedings of buddleias is that they flower for about three times as long as the sort of railway siding mauve variety. I mean, I've been blown away by these in our trials here. And uh, yeah, I just, every single one. I mean, we started with a buzz lavender. Now we have the buzz wine, which I know you like. And we've had a buzz white and uh, we've got them in. And they're just so good. I think they're fantastic plants. Yes. And I do think they look really, they also slightly have this very enchanting, rather arching, lowish habit too, don't yeah. they? 
So they they have a they're very they don't get nearly so leggy and sprawly as you know the Davidii's, but you know equally you know habitat is important, particularly in a small space, isn't it? And they have a very nice little habitat and wonderful. Just literally one flower in a in a Mm. house or by a bed or in a bathroom or whatever. I I, I was just doing a, a a podcast with Joe Fairley, who's knows so much about perfume and. We didn't actually talk about Budlia, but um, it, it's one of my favourite. Very gentle, mm. honey-like scents. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So next for you would be? Next up on my little list are, are dahlias, of course. And yeah. they're so good in pot. Well, lots of them are so good in pot. Not all of them. All of Some of them are, you know, really need, you know, metres of space. But um, you've got a great little range. And I'm very keen on my particular favourites are Rosie Raven. Mm. Such a good one. Lou Farman. So mm. pretty orangey pink. I just love that sort of, that sort of variegation in the bloom. Yeah. Josie after your head gardener and yeah. waltzing matilda i think are very very pretty and yes i have had a uh, lovely success in pots with those underplanted with chocolate um cosmos you know it's a it's not a compact grower necessarily but um boy do these varieties of dahlias you know encourage the butterflies and the bees in and then of course the chocolate cosmos is you know bee magnet aren't they yeah absolutely and they um I, I've I've been amazed by Waltzing Matilda. Well, I mean, all the ones you mentioned actually picked for the vase because um, mm. Waltzing Matilda Arthur Parkinson, who used to co-host the podcast, but he's on a bit of time off for writing at the moment. But he bought me a bunch of Waltzing Matilda from Nottingham, where he lives just outside Nottingham, in fact, in Hucknall, where he had some. And they'd been out of water all day, just wrapped in a bit of loo paper in a plastic bag. And mm. I thought there was no way they'd recover but we used them uh, the next day for an event here and they were absolutely incredible and then went on to last nearly a week. So I think people tend really? to think dahlias don't last as a cut flower, but I, I was so pleased to see them on your list because um, there's lots of new breeding with dahlias, which actually has made, made them much longer lasting. And the two that we've done best with it, to add to your list are, are Perch Hill and Molly Raven, actually. They have a vase life of oh, a week she's a good here. one. Yeah, they're really oh, good wow, for picking. Molly. Yeah. They're great. Yeah, I do also think um, that they have to, you know, when you're in a limited space, too particularly, I do think we all love all the different shapes and and varieties of flower form that the dahlia genus has to offer. But when space is limited, I think you have to choose the ones, oop, bossy, um, that (laughs) um, are good for the pollinators too. You know, you just have to really do the best by them. So all those ones are good for that, for that reason. Excellent. Hmm. Next on your list. Um, next up, so I'm a great one for, together with my Acamilla mollus, edging a, a border. I love the geranium, um, and I particularly like in a smaller, lower growing form, Azure Rush. Mm. And it, it's kind of sister lilac ice, which is a sort of movie version of, and these are both be- smaller versions of Rosani, which we all know and love, but Rosani is a great big girl isn't she yes. she kind of romps away at sort of I 600 i don't know mil. these i'm really I'm, these oh, have gone on my wow. list yeah love, oh good oh good so lilac ice and azure rush are about 350 um, mil high mm. and they're great for the pollinators and they flower early ish in the season and 
you cut them and they last beautifully in as in your little in your little bud vases and they're so pretty i just love them mm. i love them to bits so that's a good one and then very similarly next on my list is gm yes. you know the genus gm mm. and Beautiful. you know I, I i'm a great one for good old totally tangerine and boricii that that but they're very big growers aren't they but l- smaller version of that is one that I'm absolutely devoted to called GM banana daiquiri and it's um it's got a very very sweet little double pale pale yellow flower which is gosh it flowers all spring and is great cut and the pollinators like it too and yep so it's a bit taller it's sort of 500 mil high but you know I think we can almost always squeeze a couple of those in, can't we? And they're not wide, particularly GMs, no, are they? exactly. They're quite sort of up airy, very much so. So um, I love her. And, you know, the, 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 yeah, that pale yellow, I'm just, oh, I do, you know. I used to hate pale yellow. I used to hate yellow in any of any form at all. But now I'm just, I don't know, there's room for it now. Maybe it's because we're, you know, older. Don't know. Yeah, that's so good. Any, as a yeah. garden designer, I know... Um, so many clients say no orange, no yellow. And I think yes. they're so important for contrast mm. through, you know, even if just lightly, I think both, particularly the soft yellows, like you say, and oranges, yeah. sort of the blood orange oranges um, are just so great for contrast. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So next on my list is controversial, but I thought I'd do something for a shadier, a yeah. shadier aspect, and that's Hosta Devon Green, and that this is um, blessed with an award of garden merit. So anything that has an AGM uh, beside its name, you know uh, that the Royal Horticultural Society has done lots of trials, and they've awarded it uh, uh, this medal because it's a good doer. And um, Hosta Devon Green, I love because it has a very kind of glossy typically hosta-like leaf. And I love to pick the leaves for flower arrangements, yes. funny enough. Not, not just the flower, uh, which is a movie bell-shaped thing, which is very pretty as well. But the leaves are so pretty. They act as sort of a, a rough around, the, you know, a yes. sort of yes. 18th, 19th, 16th century rough around the edge of, the, of your um, container. And everything sits so beautifully on top of it. So yeah. I do... Um, I do. Do you ever use a hosta leaf in an arrangement? You know, funny enough, we don't grow many hostas here, but so many of this list, I'm going to sit down with Josie and go through. And um, I think we'll definitely put more hostas into the perennial cutting garden here. I mean, obviously, slugs and snails used to be a problem here, but they're not so much now. So, yeah, I think Devon Green's going to go into a, the shady bit oh, by the good. polyanthus and the hellebores in mm, the perennial lovely. cutting garden. Yeah. Right. Mm, she's a good one and also very good in a pot yeah and she can well you can sort of keep a beadier eye on them slightly if yeah. they're in a pot and with that uh, with the slugs and snails i am not i don't put slug pellets down obviously um and but i do go out in the middle of the night with yeah. my i hate to say it well, seconders and you know i'm i'm not very don't tell don't tell anyway <laughs> next on my little list is um nadia macedonica mars midget and of course oh she's so dreamy isn't she her mm. color is that sort of whiny beetrooty it's yeah. not really beetrooty but it's such a pretty color and a pin cushion flower head which of course is looks all looks magical i think yeah. Any good flower arrangement should have a variety of yeah, different 
the hovering head forms. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And she does a sort of little pin cushion. She she provides that shape, which is so nice. And of course, the bees love her, mm. and she's not as big and lanky as her sister. Yeah, just yeah. straight, not a not not a Macedonica. So Mars Midget is a great one to look out for, and you can squeeze her in almost everywhere. So I think she's she's really good in a small space. She wants full sun though, so okay, you know, she wants a baking hot situation i think um she would be good for following on after the gym wouldn't she i mean you could have very those, good yeah yeah mm, very good and i think if if she's well watered and fed she doesn't tend to get quite such bad mildew okay you know i think nadia often you know you see them if they're overwhelmed with heat the heat and you know competition they get quite mildewy. But if you keep on top of them with the maxi crop, that that seems to help, I think. Okay, great. Great, great. Mm. And then more sort of path or border liners. Uh, you've got Napita for sun and Telema for shade. Yes, exactly. So Napita, I cross Vesenia Junior Walker is a relatively new one for me. I, I think she's so much better than the straight walkers low. Her color is more vibrant there's more flower per stem mm. and um i think she's awfully sweet actually i really love her i she i've, I've grown i don't specify any other one when uh limited when space is limited she's got an agm which is of course important Great. and lovely and frothy and about 400 mil high so she's you know she's a good good yeah, as you say edge of border girl and the bees like her so she's a you know one to look out for and and i think she performs really well as a cut flower too oh great well great would you mix her with our camilla or something like that yeah lovely all those things i mean they all that you know the napita the all of them the gm the geranium yeah you know lots of that camilla yeah. Throw in a few buddleias and gosh, yeah. you've got a very. Pre- I do, I do quite like a mixture of things. I'm, you know, I, I think slightly the more, not shambolic, but you know, yes. the more like color, a garden. like you mm. know, mm. yeah, it's like a little little tiny garden in a jug. Um, so she's a good one, Napita Fasania Junior Walker. Great. Great, great. And Telema? And Telema, of course, for the shade. I mean, she's so sweet, isn't she? Yeah, I, I love it. I, I love it. Her spire, her little spires with her little tiny bell-shaped flowers. Yeah, can't really do without her. And also, not on my list, but because she's a bit of a bigger grower, is Polygononum gigantium Mm. or any of the Polygononums because she Mm. is a great cut flower and lasts forever. And, you know, three of those in a, you know, sort of bodily, tall bodily thing, container is a better word maybe other than thing um and and she just looks you know they look yeah totally just fab and she likes the shade i remember seeing that on your on your mantelpiece i think with telema and and solomon seal and and just Mm. in beautiful acid green bottles and it's just so stylish and simple and so long lasting isn't it and even amazingly put up with heat of a fireplace And my cooker heat, you know. Oh. Yeah. Um, and then I, I, I think um, David Austin are doing a great. So next up on my list, sorry, as I yeah, yeah. briskly right. along, are are the shrub roses that they do for pots. And his catalogue is excellent. And you know, it's divided into 
you know, probably 15 or 20 different categories. And one of the categories is suitable for pots and suitable for cutting. Yeah. And so I've got a couple of great suggestions for shrub roses that do both. Great. You know, good in pots and good for cutting. And the first up is Desdemona. Yeah. And of course, Lovely. the cut. And the cut rose, if it doesn't smell good, I mean, almost what's the point? So all of these have really good fragrance. And she is about 110 by 110 centimeters. Mm. White flowers re- repeats well. So that's very compact, isn't it, Sarah? Yeah. yeah, really. That's easy for a, that will easily be good in a pot. Mm. And then I also have, I think there's one called Litchfield Angel, which um, I've never tried myself. I have tried Desdemona, but she's light musk fragrance, a bit bigger. She's about 140 by 140. Soft apricot fading to cream repeats well. So she's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Gabriel Oak, strong fruity fragrance. Do you know Gabriel? Yeah, yeah, I Mm. love it. Rich, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And she and she's sort of similar size, 110 by 120. Dark pink. She's a you know, she's a bold one, though. She's not for the shy and retiring. Good color. And neither is my final entry on the shrub roses, Gertrude Jekyll. Um, yes. Her, she, I think she's just the prettiest pink. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Love her to bits. And she's so good with orange. Exactly. Joe uh, Fairley, who I just mentioned, she included her in her top three roses for fragrance and um, certainly for garden fragrance. She really knows her stuff. So I completely agree. Gertrude Jekyll, we've, we've all got to grow, haven't we? No, no, I utterly, utterly back all those. Mm, and she repeats well. You know, she's, I think her, her flower form is so pretty. It's, it's complex, but not ridiculous. And yeah, yeah. her color, I mean, it's so clear and pink and, She's a, a top performer in my mind. Fabulous. And your final, number 12? Um, number 12 is Salvia Nemorosa Caradonna. Mm. And I chose her particularly because of her several reasons. One, she's got an AGM. Two, she's got wonderful dark stems. So I think that's rather nice in a flower arrangement to have, instead of all green, yeah. to have, you know, some dark, dark sort of almost blacky purple stems and her violet purple racemes is that how you pronounce it racemes i think is a great contrast to say our pin cushions and our little daisy flowers of the gm and the geranium so she kind of does the tall spiky thing and has a nice dark dark color which you know you have to kind of combine all forms don't you to yeah. get the best out of your yeah. in your jug and I, I just do think she's rather like and of course the bees love her too so yeah. you know she's about 500 mil high so she's manageable yeah girl that's so good because do you know because I'm such a sort of annual dahlia biannual person so many of those perennials that you've mentioned I either don't know, or if I do know them, I haven't tried picking them. So for me, it's incredibly inspiring, and I hope it has been for everybody such an interesting list. And if you have a really compact, sunny back garden, you know, in a village or or, or in a city or a town or in the country, <laughs> but um, hmm. those are all sound like just such must-have plants. And as you as you said, butter at the beginning – 
what do you do in terms of when do you pick and how do you condition before you put them in a vase? Well, I think the first uh, and most important is when you pick, isn't it? And that's got to be early morning. I think there's no good going out in the midday sun and, you know, picking up, you know, a bucket full of pretty things um, because they just are at their most vulnerable, aren't they? That time of day, the sun's on them. And so what I tend to do is get up early and it's always on the weekend because I never have time during the week and mostly in my pajamas, I have to say. And uh, out I trot. As the sun's coming up and I cut them early, I condition them, I sear them if they need to be seared. Most, I almost sear everything just yeah. because I can't bear this limp, you know, it yeah. feels like such a waste of time yeah. and energy to pick something only, you know, several hours later to have it all wilty and sad looking. So I boil a kettle. I've got one jug full of boiling water, which I replenish once it sort of gets too cool. And then one bigger jug of cold water that once they've, I've, you know, cut my stems and I do below the water. Do you do that? You put it in and then cut below the w- level of the water. I don't actually because of searing, but I would if I were, if I wasn't. Well, that's searing. what I mean. That's what yeah, I yeah. do. So, so I yeah, yeah. into the boiling water. Sorry. And then below, I cut below the water level and yeah. it seems to work a treat. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. great and then great. they go, all go into a, a nice cool jug of, you know, and then I, get on and do what I need to do with them. And you, I, I think of you, Buster, as someone who very much arranges in lovely sort of vintage jugs and things. That's what I sort of see your house as full of mm. beautiful pattern jugs, uh, full of these beautiful sort of cottage garden annuals in a way, but with great style uh, rather than being, you know, they're just be- incredibly intense and beautiful and fragrant. Oh, Thank you you so much. It's lovely to have you back. And I hope you'll come back and chat more in the future about other things. And yes, thank you so much, Butter. It's always a pleasure to see you and be with you for a minute. Thanks so much for listening to Grow Cookie to Range with me and Butter Wakefield, the small space garden designer. And next week, I'm going to be joined by Rachel Siegfried, who's got a new book out. So Rachel is from Green and Gorgeous, the wonderful florist in South Oxfordshire, which now stretches over five acres, this wonderful, wonderful flower farm where you can get, honestly, the most exquisite flowers. And her new book is about woody plants and perennials. So not annuals and biennials, which are my great passion, but very much the things that you can leave in the ground from one year to the next that will give you fantastic things for picking for the house. So see you then. You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahraven.com.